This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today is Lila Bialy. Come on down when you hear that sound. Come on down, there's a fire underground. Come on down when you hear that sound. Come on down, there's a fire blowing.
This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. I'm very pleased to feature today on the program Layla Bialy. And Layla is calling us from New York, I believe, correct? You know, I have a New York cell phone, but actually my husband and I live in Toronto, Canada. So from across the oh. border. Okay. All right. From Toronto. Okay. I think that's the first interview we've done from Toronto. I think I'm pretty sure. So, uh, all the more, all the more cool. Great to have you featured on the program today, Layla. And, uh, as I said, she'll be, she's calling in today, obviously. And, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, as I've said, you know, the COVID and coronavirus are unfortunately kind of co-host <laughs> for a while yeah. on the musician spotlight in a sense or co-guest however you want to look at it because it's going to be a theme in in all the interviews that, that we're doing on the program particularly with musicians of course um which is of course who we feature on musician spotlight <laughs> is musicians <laughs> <laughs> um, Layla's music will undoubtedly be familiar to a number of our listeners, but in case she is new to you, she is a pianist, singer, songwriter, a Juno Award nominee and winner, uh, eight solo releases, collaborations, both recording and performing with Sting, Chris Bodie, who's been on the program. Um, Suzanne Vega and Paula Cole, who uh, don't know it yet, but I'm, hopefully they'll be on the program someday. Yes, awesome. <laughs> I also know we have this in common. You do some radio work as well. I do. And you know what? I'm going to jump in and just take take this moment to say um, everyone calls me Layla because that's how it's spelled. But it's actually pronounced Lila. <laughs> oh, but don't feel badly. My my own husband called me Layla a couple times when we were dating, which I thought was hilarious. But it's the spelling, right? L A I L A, which looks like Layla, and of course Eric Clapton's song, which is spelled a little differently. But Layla, you know, you can't go back from there. Anyway, um, <laughs> so thank I'm just going to so keep much. this in here. I'm yeah. just going to keep that in there that yeah, that, I, that, that I goofed that up. <laughs> So, but um, yeah, I am a radio broadcaster like yourself, CBC Music up here in Canada, which is like our NPR. I get to spin tracks and tell people about the music and be a presence, hopefully a, f a friendly presence on the radio. And remind folks what the name of that program is. Yeah, it's it's the most uncreative <laughs> name on the planet. It, I didn't title it myself. Uh, CBC chose the name and it's Saturday Night Jazz. Lila, as we mentioned, we are recording this in late April, and obviously the world is still in a whole other state with the disease COVID-19 and everything that comes along with that. Mm. So it, it, I would be remiss in not asking, you know, just some thoughts that you're having at this time as far as how it's affecting you personally, how it's affecting your career. I should mention, I did check on your YouTube channel. You've got, is it Quarantunes? Just launched today. So that's brand okay. new. Okay. Well, that was apropos. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, so some interesting things happening professionally for you. So I want to talk about that, but, but let's maybe just first talk about how this has hit you as a musician and just mm -hmm. as a person in general. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's been really tough. I mean, I know we're not alone. Um, I think everybody, uh, is being affected in a negative way just because it's, there's so many things we're kind of grieving the loss of right now, whether it's employment or the way that we the ways in which we're used to connecting with one another, being able to go to the grocery store and grab what you need in a matter of five minutes instead of two hours. But then at the same time, you know, one can't help but be grateful for very basic needs being met, like access to good medical care, a roof over our heads, my beautiful family. Um, you know, while we drive each other nuts, because we're obviously in this little pressure cooker of a bungalow where we're all kind of on top of one another, um, you know, 24 seven, um, 
we're, we love one another and we try not to take um, that for granted. And uh, musically speaking, I, I released a new record, Out of Dust, on the 27th of March, which was right in the thick of uh, kind of I the know. early days of this virus. I yeah, saw and, that. Yeah. yeah, and we had three months of global tour dates, like back-to-back dates <sighs> planned and, you know, had painstakingly gone about getting those on the books and promoting them, you know, up to a year in advance. Some of them were just a few weeks um, in advance, but some of them, especially in Europe, had been in the works for, um, you know, upwards of a year. And so that was pretty disappointing to say the least. So here I am creating my own little quarantunes series, as you saw online, taking songs from the new record and having everybody who recorded on the album track and video themselves at home. And then my husband, who's kind of a whiz, uh, on the production side of things, he compiles it all together and, Voila, we've got a virtual stage that we're sharing with with uh, viewers now, and that's fun. Um, and, uh, you know, the songs themselves were born out of a time of struggle for me. And um, because I'm fundamentally an optimist, um, even though they explore darker, tougher themes, it was always with a view towards hope. And so my um, wish during this pandemic is that as people encounter this music, that it would become a source of hope for them that that and, and comfort mm. that you know that prover- proverbial light at the end of the tunnel does exist this too will pass and i believe firmly that tough as it is um something good will come out of this i i really believe that um so yeah i feel very humbled to be able to still share the music in what way i can and thank you for giving me the opportunity to connect with your listeners that means a great deal to me um, yeah, so, so here we are. Sugar, because I'm also tired of sugar, because I'm uninspired. Sugar, because it works so fast. Sugar so sweet, it's gonna help me last. So 
You studied at the Royal Conservatory of Music and some other stuff that came to my mind uh, reading your bio, uh, you know, composer of the year, keyboardist of the year that speaks to the piano. Let's talk about the piano a little bit and how that came to be a part of your life. Sure. Yeah. My parents tell me this funny little story. I was three and a half and, you know, this was in the days when parents were not enrolling their kids in everything under the sun in terms of extracurricular activities. (laughs) They kind of had to pick or choose one or two. And for me, um, the choice was between gymnastics and piano lessons because I was a very bouncy little kid. And, uh, you know, they thought, well, she's got a lot of energy. We got to find a way to kind of channel that. But then as the story goes, um, one day I crawled up onto the piano bench and started uh, plinking out the melody to Sesame Street. And my mom says, yeah, I hadn't been taught any, any music at all. I had no formal training at that point. I was too young, but she said, you know, she could see that I had an affinity and an ear. And so she, uh, Mm -hmm. enrolled me in piano lessons. And my teacher, Juanita Ryan, um, was very close to, uh, um, my elementary school once I was, you know, old enough to go to elementary school. And she had this incredible porcelain doll collection. And I remember just gazing at that room filled with dolls on my way to her piano. <laughs> and I think that kind of, <laughs> that kept my interest going was the lure of the dolls. But uh, anyway, and and yeah, over time, I, I really 
uh, my, a very genuine love and deep love of music blossomed. And I would listen to cassette tapes. Remember those back in the eighties? Oh 80s? yeah. <laughs> I would put I would put on a cassette tape at night. I had a little boombox next to my bed, and I would play, you know, cassette tapes of beautiful um, classical piano music. And I would imagine myself sharing those songs with um listeners and you know just i would get such a thrill out of the music and i just wanted more than anything to be able to give people that same feeling myself from behind the piano lila bialy joining us by phone today on musicians spotlight i wanted to ask you about the album the self-titled album lila bialy and the reason i want to talk to you about this is i've talked with other musicians who will release a self-titled album fairly well into their career and there's yeah. usually some significance to that decision. And I want to ask if that was the case with you. Yes. Such a good catch. Such a good catch, John. Um, hmm. I, it was my seventh album. And, you know, for so many years uh, since I released my first record in uh, 2005, I was really trying to get to the heart of, of who I am as an artist, holistically, you know, raised a classical player, um, then started to dabble in jazz. I injured my arms, so I started singing. And then I composed, but it was always instrumental, and I wanted to be a big band composer, you know, and, and things just kept morphing and changing. And then I toured with Suzanne Vega and got to experience someone who's like a true storyteller through song, and then Sting and Paula. And, and that was when I started to really, you know, delve into songwriting myself and and I released an album in 2015 called House of Many Rooms, which is not at all a jazz record. It is truly a departure from jazz. There are elements of jazz, um, but that was me kind of flexing my singer-songwriter mu- muscles for the first time, really. And I was going to ask you about that album, too. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really proud of it. Ben, ben and I are so proud of it. It was our first co-production um, together, if you don't count our son. And so 2000, <laughs> I know, terrible joke, but it's true. Uh, so, so I released that album and, you know, it was a little bit confusing for my jazz listeners. Like they were kind of like, whoa, you know, some of them really embraced it and others thought, oh my gosh, what's happening? You know, where, where has oh, this artist disappeared to? And so then with the next release, the self-titled album, Lila Bialy, uh-huh. I maintained the importance of having my own voice as a songwriter there was a bit of a pop sensibility still but we really brought the jazz back the spirit of spontaneity and improvisation and the instrumentation and i i did i included three pop fan requested pop covers you know randy newman david bowie and coldplay and so there it was on one record, kind of everything that I do represented almost 100% for the first time. And that felt kind of like an arrival and also a new departure. And that's why we, we uh, made it an eponymous release. The song they're playing on the radio Let's sway wild color lights up your face 
Lila Bialy joining us here on Musician Spotlight. Lila, you mentioned the concept of cover tunes. I love artists who can truly take a song and turn it on its head and make it something that sounds like a whole other animal. <laughs> <laughs> and you you really excel at this from Neil Young, David Bowie. Uh, you mentioned Coldplay and Randy Newman. Jazz standards, uh, the swing version of Woodstock, which I, I loved how you could definitely hear more of the influence and the nod to, you know, the, the writer of the song, Joni Mitchell, as opposed to the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young version. Yes. Um, can you talk to us about, just, just talk us through the process that you go through in selecting a song that you're going to inhabit to that degree and then rearrange it? I mean, I know that's kind of music geek talk, but uh, we got some time, so let's, uh, and this is Musician Spotlight, so <laughs> this is the place to talk about it. Right on. Well, you know, it started off back in 2008. Um, I was asked by CBC Records to uh, take songs from what we've now dubbed the Great Canadian Songbook. And you named a lot of people who 
we would count the great Canadian songwriters, um, uh, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, and add to it Bruce Coburn and Sarah McLaughlin, Feist, um, a woman named Ruth Lowe, whose songs ended up in the great American songbook. And I took those songs, you know, which are considered more mainstream, and arranged them for a jazz ensemble. And how I went about choosing the songs themselves, I have to love the lyrical content. I have to love the message of the song. But I also have to see the potential for that song to be reimagined for a jazz configuration um, while still honoring the original to some degree. I don't have any interest in like totally like if you com- if you were to compare this to a house, a home renovation, this is not like a, a gut reno or we're not tearing down the house and building it up again. We're, right. we're using some of those raw ingredients, obviously, right? The melody and the lyrics and... Um, there might be a hook that I latch on to um, that I kind of bring forward into my new arrangement. Um, and uh, yeah, but then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I opened it up to the public where I've asked other people to request songs that they want to hear me arrange. And that's been a great challenge. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but because I don't place any restriction on what those requests are, you know, we've we've had requests <laughs> for everything from Prince to uh, songs from musicals, you know, um, Seasons of Love from the musical Rent and, you know, Celine Dion and just the list goes on. And that can be really challenging because sometimes, you know, maybe that song that's that's requested is not really my cup of tea. But <laughs> I honor I honor my I honor my commitment and I come up with something unique and. Yeah, and and that's actually how those three songs on uh, the self-titled album came to be. They were all fan-requested, and thank God those are three songs that I actually quite love. Um, so that was no no problem at all. It was great fun. But uh, yeah, yeah, the, the sky's the limit there, and um, I'll definitely be opening uh, Request-O-Matic up again. In fact, I might do a bit of a bit more request-o-matic while we're all in quarantine because what better time than now to ask people online what they want to hear and and you know turn out some uh, reimagined versions maybe the analogy that could be made in terms of home construction would be a remodel versus a a, a deconstruction <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you know, you're not you're not, right. you're not you're not obliterating the house you're just kind of remodeling a little bit kind of exactly. uh, you know, add another room tuning it up a little bit We'll be back with more Musicians Spotlight in our visit with Lila Bialy.
Welcome back to Musicians Spotlight and our visit with Lila Bialy. And can I walk beside you? I have come here to lose a smug and I feel to be a cock and something, something turning. Lila, as we've been talking here, you know, we touched on the piano and as we were going through you know, some of your career highlights, you just kind of casually tossed out there. Oh, then at some point I started singing and I'm realizing, oh, in, in prep, preparing the, the questions for our interview, 
that's a that's a pretty big thing. <laughs> you yeah. know, most people would probably primarily think of you as a singer and talk about when that became let's go back to that a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about how that became uh, more a part of you and at what point you decided, oh, I can open my mouth, make a sound and people are going to respond to it and it's something I can inhabit as well. Yeah, gosh, you such great questions. Um so this actually there's a story behind this. Uh when I you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I used to primarily fancy myself a pianist and I was also a composer, but my, I had an injury to my arm when I was 15 and started to explore, you know, new ways to, um, express myself as a musician. And that included some singing. Um, but it really wasn't until, um, you know, 2005 that I really put myself out there in that capacity and this is the story behind that metamorphosis. I, I was called by um, a big agency up here in Canada called Feldman, um, and they, you know, they've got huge artists on their roster. Everyone from Nora Jones to I think Joni Mitchell is on their roster as well, or, or certainly was. And and Chris Bodie was going to be touring Canada, and Chris's manager Bobby Columbi contacted Feldman and asked if they could help source somebody to open for him across Canada. So my name got thrown in the hat or thrown in the ring. And wouldn't you know, I got chosen. And I remember having to make the decision, okay, do I open for Chris as a solo pianist, which would be kind of scary? Or do I open for Chris as a pianist and singer, which would also be scary, but a little bit more of a complete picture and a little, you know, Mm. something kind of more well-rounded to offer his audiences. So I went for it. I decided that I would sing, and I did. And at the very first show, which was in Victoria, BC, Chris heard me in soundcheck, introduced himself, and then after I played my set, his touring manager, Jeremy Plotnikoff, came up to me, um, my my CD table where I was selling merch, and said, Chris wants you to join his band. (laughs) And I I remember turning to him, mouth agape, and just saying, why? You know, because I was just so stunned. I didn't really think I was that great. I still considered myself a real fledgling singer. And many of my heroes were in his band, a pianist by the name of Billy Childs, who I hugely admire. Oh, sure. Yeah. He's been on the program. Oh, I love him. I love him and his music. And um, yeah, so so I ended up getting scooped up by Chris and touring with him. And then this was such an interesting way, like just how everything kind of snowballs and connects. So I was singing with him in Temecula, California on a winery and his manager, Bobby was side stage. Cause that's not too far from LA where Bobby lives. And he heard me singing and I gave him my, my record, which of course featured piano largely. And he said, okay, you're a piano player too. Because I was well, the weird thing was I was just singing with Chris's band, right? Because Billy Childs, of course, was playing piano. Oh, and that really sure. cemented me. Um, that cemented the singing part of who I am. And so then Bobby pulled me out of Chris's band. He was resurrecting Paula Cole's career because she'd left the music biz for about seven years and had become a mum and all this other stuff. And he was kind of bringing her back into the spotlight. And he wanted me to be Paula's piano player and background vocalist because her new record at the time, Courage, which was in back in 2007, featured Herbie Hancock on piano, David Foster, and Billy Childs. So he knew that 
she could benefit from having a jazz pianist in her midst because Paul is an amazing piano player. She can, she can hang. I mean, she doesn't need anyone to cover piano. Um, but she wasn't as well versed a jazz pianist. So I was brought into the fold. Paula became one of our closest friends, you know, one of my closest friends. And when I say our, I mean my husband and I, because we met in her band, he was playing drums and, uh, yeah. So, so that's how I've come to make my peace with singing, but it took a long time. I mean, it took like a full decade before I really owned who I was as a singer.
This is John Floridas. You're listening to Musicians Spotlight, and we're joined today by Lila Bialy. Lila, you were talking about you know, Paula Cole and Chris Boti and Billy Childs. I want to focus on four of these folks that you've collaborated with, Sting, Chris Bode, Suzanne Vega, and Paula Cole, two men, two women. And I wanted to ask if you can maybe talk a little bit about what you learned from your collaborations with these musicians and also what you feel you brought to the table with Aww. each of them. And I realized we could do we could do an entire program on this subject alone, I'm sure. But um, but that's the thing that, that comes to mind. You know, you, you, you mentioned some terrific musicians, obviously. Um, but also, as, as your story just told, you're bringing something to the table as well. So can you touch on on that question a little bit? Okay, of course. Yeah, no, these are such great questions. Um, so each, uh, I'll just give you a quick sort of sound bite or, or, or thought on each musician, what it was like to work with each of sure. them, and then I can share what I felt I brought to the table. So kind of going in chronological order, um, Chris Bode, uh, you know, he is a brilliant entertainer. They're all magical performers, but um, Chris, funnily enough, and in some ways I kind of don't want to you know, pull back the curtain too much here. But um, when I first saw him perform, I was just knocked out at how, you know, affable and lovely and funny he was. Um, But I learned that his, more than any of those musicians, was a crafted show. So the Mm -hmm. script, it was almost scripted. And initially I was sort of like, oh man, you know, I almost didn't want to know that. But then I began Mm. to really appreciate the art of that almost like a Broadway musical or something right where there's like a script Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing night night after night and yet he brings a freshness every time and that that is a skill in and of itself so that was my takeaway um, with Chris then Paula Cole she was of course a megastar at in the 90s when I was still in high school and she was playing stadiums. And when she was touring with Peter Gabriel, that was just a whole other level. But when she came back to the music biz in her early 40s, she kind of had to start from scratch. I mean, not completely, but it was a lot of work to build mm. her up again. And so I remember performing with her in a casino in Vegas that was a 300-seat capacity. And there were only 25 people in the audience. And it was kind of depressing. But she said, we are small but mighty. And I watched that woman, that extraordinary artist give 200%, no matter what the environment, no matter how few people. And so she taught me, you know, just, just the value of bringing one's whole self every time. And I thought that took great strength and generosity of spirit. Um, so she's a powerhouse. I mean, I've never seen anyone who can sing like she does. I think she's one of the best singers in the world. So that's Paula. Um, Suzanne, Suzanne is a storyteller, and with Suzanne, less is more. She, if you strip down her work to, it's just the bones of it. It doesn't need any extra dressing. The songs are so good. It just, just her and a guitar, that's all you need. And so I learned to play and sing um, with economy with her, which was mm. sort of the opposite of Paula. It was like balls to the wall with Paula, you know, like just everything you've got. And with Suze, it was more subdued, but equally powerful. And so that's what I learned from her. Um, from Sting, I was just stunned, and he's really one of my heroes. I was stunned that he, 
um, you know, still approaches music with the spirit of a child. He is so open mm. to exploring wow. new things and, and he has just such a collaborative um, way about him. But then at the same time, he is the hardest working guy you'll ever meet. We would have 10 hour long rehearsals daily when we were working, uh, preparing for his DVD recording that I was a part of at Durham Cathedral in England. He was the first to show up and the last to leave every time. And huh. that just knocked me out. You know, he really set the bar so very high. Um, and then um, I think with Chris, I brought, um, you know, feminine energy. The band was entirely male. And so I think that was something that was important um, for, in terms of his live show um, with Paula Cole. You know, I think that there was a willingness of spirit on my part to really go with her because she's super spontaneous. Um, and I was equipped, you know, to be able to do that as a player because of my jazz background. With Suzanne, I learned to hold back. And that's been really important for me because I am, everything is out there. I mean, it's like, let it all hang out. That's just the kind of person I am. And she taught me the um, skill of restraint. And, and I think that that was something that I ultimately was able to bring back into the fold with her. And mm -hmm. then with, with Sting, you know, he's called on me because I have a good ear. He's actually brought me into some uh, spontaneous sessions back in the day when I was still living in New York City. He would call on me and another singer, Joe Laurie, to come and just get in the sandbox with him because uh, we had the capacity to do that. And we would become springboards for some of his uh, new songs and, and projects. And that was a great honor. Um, you know, I didn't do a whole lot, a whole lot of that, but I was able to do a little bit and that was such a treat. And I hope to do more with him once the dust settles on this pandemic. Night and day, night and day. 
Lila Bialy joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. I wanted to ask you about confidence. And this is where I want to go with this. I've often said that you can tell a great musician from the first strike of a string, the first blow on a horn, the first finger on a keyboard, the first you know note, the first sound that opens when it comes when someone opens their mouth. I could hear it in you from the first video that I saw. I think it was the video for where you did a cover of Harvest Moon, not Harvest Moon. <laughs> uh, Heart the of Gold. With the other, yeah, Heart of Gold. Like I said, the other famous, the, it's got a million famous songs. Yeah, Heart <laughs> of Gold. And with Heart of Gold, from the count in, before you even played a note, I'm like, oh, this is this is a woman who is in charge of what she's doing. So that's that's what's coming across to me. My question with that is, was that always there? No, no. So talk and about how that evolved because it's very evident. That is about having a band with me that is my safety net. When I'm with guys mm. who know this music like the back of their hand, I know that I if, if I slip, they've got me. Um, and so I have had to learn to carry the band myself if I'm working with new players, if I'm touring Europe and I can't afford to bring the A-team. And that takes so much energy. And yeah, we're able to bring the show and... I have to, but I have to lead with confidence in those instances. Whereas here, you don't see it, but those guys were injecting me with confidence. And that's a very different experience and one that, you know, I don't take lightly. So that's, that's great. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Just real quick, I want to ask, what kind of stuff are you doing now? I know it's a little bit different, but in general, in non-quarantine times, uh, some other stuff outside of music that you like to do, just some hobbies and stuff. Oh, well, um, my husband and I, you know, now that I, now that I got that splinter out of my foot, we love to go for physical distanced walks. That's really important for us and bike rides. Um, and, uh, you know, I, um, I'm learning how to use these new tools. I don't know if I'd call them hobbies, but, but, uh, you know, learning how to navigate this new social space and zoom and live stream recordings. I mean, People think that you just turn on your camera and away you go, no way. There's a whole <laughs> art to it if you want to do it with good sound. And so that's something that my oh, husband boy, and I have been digging into. And uh, yeah, just becoming a teacher, I suppose. That's like, that's my new hobby, like it or not. <laughs> I'm a school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Searching for heart of gold. 
LilaBiali.com is the website you can go to to find out more about Lila's work. I'm going to spell her name again for our listeners. L-A-I-L-A-B-I-A-L-I. Did I get that right? You did. I think I did. Yeah. LilaBiali.com. Out of Dust is her brand new recording as we are recording this interview in late April 2020. It's been a real pleasure getting a chance to talk shop with you, Lila, and I hope sometime in the not too distant future we get a chance to sit down face to face and have an interview that way i would love it you this has been one of the most um rewarding interviews i've ever done so thank you john what a pleasure
You've been listening to Musicians. Spotlight, our guest today, has been Lila Bialy. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through the Montana Public Radio website, mtpr.org, as well as through our own website, musicianspotlight.org. You can also find us online on Facebook and on Twitter. Our program is available as a podcast from those websites, as well as through iTunes. Musicians Spotlight is a production of Montana Public Radio.